0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This is Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower. I don't know how things are where you are, but spring's been trying its hardest to move into the Mid-South in a big way. We have daffodils blooming, uh, the sun has been warm and shining, uh, and of course, uh, rain and cooler temperatures are now rolling back in to, to kind of put spring and any thoughts of early field work right back on hold. But with this seasonal change comes another change, a welcome change. And I'm happy to uh, to welcome a familiar voice back to the Cotton Companion in Beck Barnes. I know many of you have missed him. He's missed us too, so he says. I
1: uh-huh. have.
0: So welcome back. Yeah, so welcome back, Beck. And uh, Inquiring Minds want to know what you've been up to, uh, maybe especially for the last five, five and a half months.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, we were six months as of uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I got a new... Uh... Got a new little cotton companion of my own here uh, at home. I got a six-month-old daughter these days, so um, if I sound a little, uh, have a little cobweb head, it's because I haven't been doing just a whole bunch of sleeping down here uh, in Memphis over the past six months. But um, it's been great. Uh, you know it. And um, yeah, I'm happy to be back on the cotton companion. You know, I was thinking about it uh, the the last the last time I was hosting episodes, we had prices in the 60 cent range right. and it feels like I'm returning. Things have been at a dollar and I know we're going to talk about the market here in a little bit uh, and it kind of dissect it with OA, who's much more knowledgeable about it than us. But he started, you know, he did mention a couple of bearish signs out there. Man, I can't help but feel like I'm like the cooler uh, when, when I come on the podcast, things are great in my absence, and then I return, and I, ho- I hope they stay great. Let me just say that I don't want to jinx. It. We're not we're not going to write any of that down.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't I don't want anybody to come back at you. Yeah. You know, with uh, with any of that, but uh, you know, it's 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 the cyclical nature of this market. It's you know we've all seen it before. It comes, it's high, and then it swings down to go low, and then it comes, starts working itself back up. But. Uh, you know, this I think this market is resilient enough to realize that and, and everything that, uh, you know, that we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but like you said, uh, kind of over the last couple of weeks, uh, seems like the comments, questions about pricing, about acres, about supply chain issues, they're just, they're just, just keep getting louder. And now add in, these other potential market and supply impacts that, uh, that all the uncertainties over in Eastern Europe are contributing to. And it's really turned into a tougher time for a lot of clear decisions uh, than maybe a lot of growers were counting on right now as, as planting is approaching. Uh, as you said, we're already seeing a little bit of impact on cotton prices. And, uh, and to talk about that right now, we're, uh, we're going to bring in uh, our good friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland who's Professor Emeritus of Ag Economics at Mississippi State University, to uh, kind of discuss the past week in the cotton market and some of the obstacles and opportunities ahead. Uh, Now, OA's visits to the podcast are always popular. So uh, sit back and, and let's see what he has to say. OA, welcome back to the Cotton Companion. How are you doing? And how do you think the cotton market's doing?
2: Well, the cotton market hopefully is doing about like I'm doing, trying to recover. And uh, we, we, there is some recovery to do, and there's no question about it. But I think the underlying conditions are still strong for cotton. Uh, it, it's just that, as hindsight, as much as we had, should have expected uh, this little saber rattling, it, it did catch, I think, all markets off guard, and it's thrown things uh, in, in the, certainly in, a, in an upside down situation, and. Uh, we're just, for right now, st- tending to struggle to hold on, but uh, it's been a bit of a losing battle. But hopefully today, this week, uh, we'll turn this market back around a bit.
0: Well, I think it's, it's safe to say that we're kind of in unprecedented times right now. Uh, so let's, let's kind of start with the Ukraine situation. Uh, in your recent column, you noted that the Russian invasion has really kind of spooked the market. Uh, to the point where it's almost a, a one step forward, two step backwards I call it a tango. At this point, uh, can you kind of explain what you mean by that? Well, we
2: basically what what I was attempting to say was yes, we were sitting at one twenty or right above a dollar and twenty cents a pound, and we would uh, we fell back a few points or a cent or a cent and a half, and then we rallied seventy five points, or eighty points. And then uh, we fell down back 120 points, and then the next day we had a triple-digit gain, back up, and then we just we fall back down, as you say in the tango, we 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 gain a little bit, lose a little bit more, and now all of a sudden we've got July down around $1.13. I, it's a dollar thirteen cents. That's maybe a little bit high, but not not too high. Last I checked, the market this morning it was still trying to rally a little bit, so it, it, it's it's just it's the market period was caught off guard, and it's uh, certainly caught producers off guard. Uh, mills still are showing an affinity to cotton; they want cotton. Uh, the biggest problem they have is obtaining prompt delivery. Uh, but uh, they still like cotton and mills obviously like this lower price. There's been a lot of fixations on the market, but still there are a lot of fixations out there that have to come yet.
0: Over the past week, uh, so cotton's run is sort of the favored child with wall street uh, and the speculators seems to have come to an end uh, and grains and oil seeds have kind of moved to the forefront. What's, what's caused that to happen?
2: Well, and, and that's exactly right. The, there, there is a minor shortage of food grains in, in, in the world right now. Of course, outside of China, there's a little bit of a shortage of cotton for that matter. Uh, and to put that in perspective, the way you phrased it, cotton's up only about 5% uh, year uh, from the first of the year. And all of a sudden, with what we've seen the last two weeks, uh, wheat's up 50%. Uh, corn and soybeans are up somewhere from 25 to 30%. And the cause has been first, Ukraine is without question the breadbasket of Europe. It's also one of the very major exporters of wheat. Uh, it actually, I'm trying to go back through my numbers uh, mentally. I believe Ukraine is the largest exporter of wheat. Uh, and they also certainly have a decent corn crop. Just south of them uh, is uh, Romania, which has a, a major corn crop for Europe. It's not a particular imported in the export market, but it's a, it's a, certainly a huge crop uh, for Romania, and it's uh, it supplies uh, Europe. So we've all of a sudden we've got these two crops that are in prel. Uh, the odds are that uh, wheat is not going to be harvested just because of the war in Ukraine. Will not be harvested. Uh, neither will the corn. Neither will uh, neither will corn actually be planted uh, a little early. But uh, uh, if we see anything on TV that we believe, the uh, very high probability we aren't going to even plant any corn uh, in the uh, or all seeds in 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 Ukraine this year. Now we we'll probably will plant in. In, in Romania, we plant corn, but who knows how f- this being next door and with the refugees, um, one of the major countries that the Ukraine ref- refugees are flowing into is Romania. So th- it does tell the market, hey, we better watch this very closely and see if this Romanian corn crop is gonna come off. Uh, additionally, uh, the uh, Russians have moved to basically block or close almost every port uh, on the Black Sea, and Romania has two ports there. And uh, to get past those ports, <clears throat> or to, if you get past those ports, you still have to contend with the Russian Navy. So the the world market is very, very concerned about whether or not these two important crops in these two very important countries will, in fact, come to the market. So it's very natural that wheat would have skyrocketed more so than any other commodity and it's very normal and natural that soybe excuse me cotton but got cotton always on my mind and it should be on everybody's mind I would suggest to you but corn is also very important and that's there and then the oil seed market in Europe is also affected by this so that's why those prices are up substantially more than uh, than cotton is.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You mentioned in passing China there. And, uh, you know, anytime we're talking cotton, China's going to be the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Um, I Just, uh, you know, I always remember uh, in February of 2020, I was sitting at the Gin Show and heard Joe Nicosia say, they were ready to uh, capitalize on this phase one agreement. They were, China was, China was going to be off to the races on their cotton fulfillment in phase one. If we could just get around this thing called coronavirus that was just starting to ha- come across the news feeds. And that was, you know, February 2020. And uh, here we are in early March 2022. And it seems like they have kind of met some of those import quotas from phase one, at least with regards to cotton. Uh, is China still our biggest customer?
2: Yes, China does remain our biggest customer. And if we look at uh, export shipments week after week, as well as uh, export sales, we see that <clears throat> we're going full blast, or we are going full blast to to make sure that we export cotton to China. That's a destination that the merchants and co-ops are wanting to fulfill those orders as quick as possible, simply because there is concern that they are could be a problem down the road. So with China being our major customer, being our major sales point, we want to get those sales fulfilled as quick as possible so as not to lose them if in fact we have, we have problems. That's on everybody's mind that we might have a problem with China, uh, that the, the two governments might just uh, uh, very aggressively agree to disagree and we'll begin to lose export sales. With respect to phase one, Agriculture uh, has come off very well. Russia has, t- excuse me, China has typically uh, not met, but come close to meeting uh, the agricultural requirements of that. And cotton more so than the other commodities. Uh, beans have, have been right up there, but but cotton more so than, than other commodities. And it's uh, it, the, 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 the requirements are not completely met, but uh, they're within ballpark. They're certainly being met, and that's good it's the non-ag issue that surfaces those exports are not being met at all with respect to phase one uh, so w- you know we, we just continue to watch this this the, the cotton sales but more importantly now because we're uh, some nearly six months into the we're basically I think six months now into the marketing year with about 25 24 26 weeks left to go uh, it's uh, we we have to watch that to make sure we, we do make these deliveries. Deliveries are well behind; uh, they're catching up a little bit, but I expect we're going to see some 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 more reductions in export uh, shipments that that are at least the, in USDA's outlook for, for exports. But I, I don't think uh, we'll we'll suffer as much through in other countries as we will drag. Uh, behind in our Chinese uh, exports. But, with, you know, with merchants and mills are making, or merchants as well, merchants as, well as Chinese mills are making every effort they can, can to get U.S. cotton into China.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's good. That's reassuring to hear. Uh, that's certainly bullish development. Can you tell me, do you think we're starting to see more, uh, seems like we may be just starting to see a little more bearish movement in this market? Is there is there anything in particular fundamentally, globally, uh, that we should be concerned with right now in terms of bearish movement in the cotton market?
2: Well, that's an excellent question. And certainly if we look at prices, the, the answer is allowed yes. However, as I start looking at fundamentals, as you pointed out, it's difficult to find bearish fundamentals other than the uncertainty uh, associated with the war and what that's going to do and wh- how that might Im- impact uh, global spending uh, and, and the big dollar items or the, 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 the macroeconomic items as we move down the line. But cotton per se, first off, we look at on-call sales versus on-call purchases. And uh, with the, 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 just approximately about 9 million bales need to be bought in the futures market with between now and around the middle of June, and only about 1.1 million bales need to be sold in the futures market. So the ratio of uh, of buying futures to selling futures is actually stronger now than it's been all year, and it's been very strong all year. So that's a very positive factor to support cotton prices. Nonetheless, we've seen prices drop, drop, and drop. We'll see, I think personally, we'll see the USDA supply demand report tell us that world consumption, it has held on. It may be slightly stronger than where we thought just a month ago. So I think we're going to see that world carryover is down just a little bit. Now, I would not be surprised to see U.S. carryover up slightly, but being up slightly, there's uh, the U.S. is holding, uh, certainly not the book, but, uh, about 20% of the available supply in the major export countries. So we have cotton. Again, it goes back to this transportation issue. That's not only affecting the United States, it's affecting Brazil. It's affecting other exporters of trying to get cotton out of the country. Uh, The last three weeks have been pretty good export weeks. I anticipate that we'll be a good week. This will be a good week coming forth. It uh, uh, may be the best week we've had all year from the <clears throat> ideas I'm picking up from merchants, but merchants feel very comfortable about selling cotton. They tell us we're, they're still selling very aggressively now. And China remains a big buyer. The big question continues to be how soon and how quick we can get this cotton out. Never had that problem before. Uh, trucks and and ships have always been available, but not not now, so it's a major problem. But all in all, I would say that the fundamentals per se still suggest that prices should hold on, should actually be higher. And adding to that, I would say that as we begin to take shape for the December 22 contract, the December 22 crop, that market is looking a little bit more bullish than it might have six weeks ago three months
1: ago uh, oh wait uh, and jim i know you were getting ready to ask a question of yours but uh you know uh, i hear you saying logistics are you know we can get it sold we just can't get it shipped like log- or logistics is a is a big issue can you foresee and maybe you can't but it, it, is there a scenario where the logistical backlogs affecting everything but for our purposes affecting cotton starts to weigh down be one of those bearish factors on the price of cotton. Is that something that is possible?
2: That's a very logical fault. And I think something that many people have worried about and I've certainly been concerned about it. But we also have to understand that uh, as we get into the big, the early months of a new marketing year, that would be August, September, October, exports are typically not that strong. Now we've had great sales. so. It's, it's also logical to think that uh, if the demand is there now, it's six months from now, five months from now, that demand will probably be there then. It may not be as strong. It may be stronger. So I think what we'll see is our August, September exports stronger uh, than they have been in the past, seasonally very strong. So and, and that just means that will be coming out of 22 crop cotton So by and large, we won't lose uh, lose those sales. So it 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 could turn out to be bearish, but at this point in time, I think we have to keep it on in in the plus column.
0: Oh, just a just a quick question. You know, talking about cotton prices and the fact that you know they're kind of hanging in there at this point, and demand is holding in there. But I think we've we've all seen before when cotton prices get reach a certain point, the mills are going to start turning their attention over to synthetics and um, start increasing blends and, and things like that. But with oil prices climbing to where they are currently sitting today, isn't that going to put as much crunch on the synthetic side of the market as, as, as anything?
2: Yes, that's going to that that's definitely adding pressure on the on the, to the price of synthetics. And as you say, oil prices have have just I know you're now saying the same thing. I'm just going to use a little stronger right. adjective. Uh, oil prices going up, and as you know better than I, they've just exploded. An unbelievable increase. So yes, and that that does translate into higher prices for synthetics, for polyester, uh, and that's a plus for cotton. We, uh, we were weathering the storm in cotton very well, actually, up until about a or so in March, when March began to uh, get to that level, and in fact, we weren't really weren't losing any market share at that point, but we were getting a lot of t- hearing a lot of talk about uh, switching. Uh, those switches were never made, and now I think probably we could stand. I'm not predicting that that uh, the July or the May goes to a dollar at all. I would like to, but I can't do it. I wish you could, uh, but, but I think we can weather that storm up to $1.30, $1. thirty-five, if, in fact, we can get, uh, get, get a little bit of the war fundamental behind us uh, and see where we go from there. But at the same time, I think the market is telling us, well, this happened in Ukraine And China's been thumping its chest with respect to Taiwan. I don't know. No one knows how the U.S. might respond to that. But I think the markets are beginning to or will tend to favor discounting uh, cotton if, in fact, they begin to think that the China and U.S. may go tit for tat on Taiwan.
0: Well, looking back domestically, let's, let's leave the other side of the world alone for just a few minutes. We know how much you love to dissect acreage projections. And, uh, and a couple of weeks ago, USDA came out and, and said they projected 12.7 million acres of cotton in the U.S. this year. Are they too high? Are they too low? Are they just right? And what's, uh, what's the West Texas situation going to do to factor into all that?
2: Well, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Next question uh, <laughs> uh, uh it, it's really up in the air uh, a number of things are going on let's start with the with the more positive things first uh the insurance price for west texas is going to be just a little above a dollar a pound it's calculatable now someone probably has. it's probably about a, a dollar and a cent a pound it's hard I, we've never faced anything like that i think last year at 91 cents a pound was a record so an increase Insurance price a dime higher than that uh, begs for cotton, absolutely begs for cotton. It begs for dry land cotton. And you've heard me say this before at a dollar and a uh, penny, or I mean, excuse me, yeah, at a dollar cotton uh, guarantee or insurance price, uh, the dry land, just plant it and come back later and see if there's anything there to harvest. Don't, uh, don't bring your picker with you. Go see if there's anything there. If there is, go back and get your picker. It just begs for cotton. It just begs and screams to plant cotton. Uh, That's West Texas. That's dry land. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, with with these prices, it's hard not to think seriously about planting cotton anyway, even in the face of corn. Of course, corn uh, can be stronger in, 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 in the northern district of West Texas where there's good water, strong water, but uh, at the same time, I, and I think we'll lose some cotton land to, to corn in that regard, but at the same time, we've had some huge price increases with respect to inputs, and uh, I, I would tend to think that we're going to have a cheaper crop this year, I know irrigated folks, good little sandy soil, whether it be Texas irrigated in sandy soil or, or mid-south or Southeast, we still added the inputs when inputs got high, but inputs now are exorbitantly high. It's a different situation. Uh, inputs are up fifty 60%, 100%, 200%, urea's up three or 400%. Uh, so it it, 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 it it translates into a different picture than what we've seen before. So I think we tend to uh, n- not provide the management with respect to inputs that we have in the past. So it pretends to be a lower crop. It pretends as we were getting at it initially to be uh, plantings are reduced. I would tend to think instead of the 12.7 that USDA came out, I believe uh, the uh, National Cotton Council had 12.3 uh, or 12.0, and uh, the cotton grower survey that y'all do is I, the first one of the year is, I think has a great history and I think the industry is well served by y'all survey, I seems like it was 12.3 I've forgotten right now. Ours, ours has,
0: was yeah, ours was right around 12.5. 12, 12.5
2: 12, okay this, this is a COVID year and a COVID month for me so I've forgotten a lot of stuff. 12.5. Uh, <clears throat> I actually thought you were low at the time. I thought the cotton council was dreadfully low. Uh, by the time the USDA number came out, I said, "Finally, I've been vindicated." That's about where I was. But now, then, I think somewhere between the cotton grower number and the, the uh, cotton council's number is where we're going to come out. 12.2 to 12.4 is what we're going to have. We'll lose 300 to 400 thousand acres. Uh, As of today, if uh, if oil prices continue to skyrocket, that just pushes insurance uh, fertilizer prices higher and higher, and certainly the diesel uh, fuel higher and higher. But uh, so something in the neighborhood of 300,000 to 400,000 acres will be lost. Uh, So if y'all were 12.5, I think today it would be 12.4. It's hard for me to see anything less than you than the National Cotton Council is 12 million acres it, it, <clears throat> even at prices at this level, at input cost at this level, simply because of the insurance price. Uh, I think probably as we look around the southeast, uh, you know, we've had a few, not many, we've had a few uh, 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 pickers, module pickers sold there. And I think anybody that's bought a module picker is committed to cotton now. And we certainly saw we've seen more of that in the mid south and the southeast. But I did pick up in the southeast that a number of people were looking to make major investments, long term investments in cotton, Uh, and we're going to unless they've already made that, we're going to lose that. We've. uh, we were thinking in terms of 10 to 15 percent at various times during the year of acreage increase. I think the maximum increase, the maximum we'll increase we'll see is five percent, and that would be throughout the southeast and the mid-south. The, uh, we will lose acreage, some acreage to corn. I didn't think we necessarily would. Uh, following up the same thing, the comment must be made that rotation has become much more important uh, in the cotton belt, or more specifically in the Southeast and Mid-South and parts of Texas. Rotation plays a major part today. It didn't five years ago. It was becoming in vogue. It didn't 10 years ago. But today, we really have to watch that rotation. It's generally more important than price ratios, but obviously price ratios are important. Uh, As I look at an area here that's uh, gone from almost no cotton up to uh, a cotton gin close to me that has ginned as many as 150,000 bales this year, ginned about 110, Uh, they anticipate that they'll gin 110 next year. And it's primarily, they're keeping the acreage the, the, the same between corn, cotton, and soybeans because of rotation patterns. They've gotten into it and they like it. They feel like it's good for their land.
0: All right, well, I tell you what, this sounds like a, a pretty good place to end today's discussion. Uh, and obviously we've got an awful lot to watch uh, and, and learn here over the next few months. And I'm pretty sure, I, I'm not going out on a limb here. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a smooth ride. Uh, anytime soon. But uh, as always, thanks again, OA, for joining us. Uh, we hope to see you out and about again soon.
2: I look forward to it. To make sure the point was clear that I anticipate a lower yield this coming season, and that would bode well for price. The lower yield associated with the uh, precarious situation with respect to input cost. A lower, lower input uh, usage would, would imply a lower yield. Thank you, guys. Thank you,
1: O.A. Well, that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to, as always, give a special thanks to Dr. O.A. Cleveland for sharing his marketing insight. And as always, a big thanks to you, dear listeners, uh, for joining us. If you like what you're hearing on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word. Tell your farmer buddies about the podcast. And uh, here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First go to cottongrower.com forward slash
2: companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower
0: Magazine. Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name's Beck Barnes. And we'll be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of the Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe. He yeah, works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a me.